Welcome to the History Tricks, where any resemblance to a boring old history lesson is purely coincidental. And here's your 30-second summary. Born the only child of a quarreling couple, she's raised virtually ignored by her parents yet adored by her country. This pretentious and naughty princess finally met her prince charming, set up house, and was on her way to queendom when her short life ended. However, this sad loss set the stage for the birth of another future queen, Queen Victoria. Let's talk about Princess Charlotte. First, let's place her in history. Napoleon Bonaparte married his wife Josephine. The very first smallpox inoculation was administered by Edward Jenner. The United States State Department issued the very first American passport ever. The first regular Sunday newspaper in the country is published in Baltimore, Maryland. Our curmudgeonly friend John Adams is elected president. And Princess Charlotte Augusta of Wales is born in 1796. Welcome to the show. Yay! We thought it would be a good idea to go back in time a little bit from Queen Victoria. You know, um, if you have not yet listened to the Victoria podcast, I suggest that you go back um, and listen to those, or else this one may not make as much sense, because we're going to skip over some um, genealogy yes. that you may need to understand this podcast. So, right. So go back and listen to that one, and come right back. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, um, Princess Charlotte of Wales was born in 1796. <laughs> she was the only child of Prince George of Wales and Princess Caroline of Brunswick. Her father was the eldest son of Mad King George. This is, again, the George that America wrote the letter to saying, hey, no more kings. We don't like you. And he was already kind of married to a lady named Lady Fitzherbert, but his marriage was declared invalid. And he was so relieved about that because he needed some money. Right, and, and he's only going to get it from the very it. king that he needs permission to marry. So, um, so Parliament had offered to raise his allowance to a hundred thousand a year if he would get married, and he gave raspberries about an heir. Frankly, he did not care, which is pretty sad for the <laughs> heir, but whatever. He didn't care, but the money was like, oh, yeah, he's kind of a spender. He's a big spender. He's got his little bachelor-like life, and he's... he's oh, he's already got another mistress, by yeah. the way. Oh, so. yeah, and, and he does for, oh, the rest of his life. <laughs> so Caroline of Brunswick arrives. Her mother and his father were sister and brother, so they're first cousins. But Caroline arrived, and she was unkempt and coarse and rude and, frankly, was quite stinky. Well, the reason that she was chosen in the first place is because one of his mistresses thought her less of a of a uh, challenge to her yes. uh, position. So, you know, like a bride. Let's just delicately say. So a bride that might choose an ugly bridesmaid. Exactly. Basically, his mistress favored the uh, more unfortunate of the candidates or his wife. It, right. Yes. So that was a good point. Until I enter Caroline, who actually, even though she's not looking all that pretty, she was actually kind of groomed for a few months before she was brought to him. So just think if no one had paid any attention, because basically he met her and called for a brandy. And she said, he's fat. He doesn't look like his portrait. <laughs> so on that auspicious beginning... And then they had dinner, and it wasn't the most charming of dinners either. She's questioning his relationships with these other women, and it wasn't love at first sight, and it was never, never love. Well, within three weeks, they were living separately. Let's just put it that way. But sometime in those three weeks, 
we might have performed our official duties because nine months and one day from the day of their marriage, a beautiful platinum blonde, blue-eyed little girl named Princess Charlotte Augusta was she, born. And she was, we'll put a picture of her, her portrait up on the website, but she was adorable. So here is the Prince of Wales, her father, and, you know, he is kind of like, you know, I kind of miss Miss Fitzherbert. And he took her back and basically booted everyone out. So he booted his wife to the overflow housing at Kensington (laughs) Palace. And then from eight years old, Princess Charlotte Augusta lived in a place all her own, and the only people there with her were people that were paid to be there. Basically, it was a house called Montague House. Caroline herself is still, she doesn't get to see her daughter very often, Princess Brute pretty much said, sorry, you, you're a bad you're, influence. Yeah, you're not involved in her life. And, and, and went so far as to craft a document that said that all of his worldly possessions was to go to his mistress and Caroline had, was to have nothing to do with the upbringing of Charlotte. I'm surprised she even came out okay, much less a cheerful person. She was described as happy with a reckless heart. That's good for a little child. And but I have to tell you, she was kind of mischievous, which I kind of like. Yeah. She snuck out one day. All these people had heard oh, the Princess Charlotte. The Princess Charlotte is going to be seen. She's going to be riding her pony or whatever. So she and a little friend snuck out the back and went around to the back of the crowd and asked everyone, "What's going on? What's happening?" And they, you know, she's she, they were like, totally unrecognized in the crowd. And, yeah. And they're just watching. She had this very serious teacher who was a bishop, and she thought he was pompous and kind of a moron or whatever. So she did that thing where she, you know, you move your mouth when someone talks and make a face, <laughs> yeah. and then when they turn around, you stop. Like, la, la, la. Okay, she would do that to him all the time to the point where ladies had to leave the room because they were getting ready to bust their courses strings. They started laughing so hard. <laughs> there was a high-ranking man that had come to visit her, and she was on her way to go to her pony, and she goes, you are always in my way. And she spanked him on the booty with the end of her whip. So yeah. she had no respect for people's dignity. No, no, not not at all. And a wild child. Yeah. So meanwhile, her dad is try, 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 trying to get a divorce from Caroline. Now, he wanted to remarry and maybe have a son. Mm -hmm. And so he seriously avoided treating Charlotte as the heir, which she is, and probably, given his relationship with Caroline, will be the only one. Right. But he just had it in his mind that he could divorce this horrible, stinky person and get a son. So he was going to biz his daughter so she didn't get false hopes or whatever. He viewed her as a rival to be suppressed yes. and not someone to love or to care for or to even be interested in. He, I mean, he did take care of her education. He made Absolutely. sure that there was people there, um, that she did get her ed- education, but it was, you know, minimal parenting at best. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, well, when she was 15, he was made Prince Regent. His father, mad King George, yeah. had really <laughs> become ineffective. really mad. So she was at fifteen a big tomboy. Is that she was famous for being a tomboy, but it I guess a tomboy in this time may not be what we consider a tomboy. She was she shook hands with men when introduced mm-hmm. to them. Yeah. She was fond of swearing, jokingly. Like she would swear to see what it did to your face, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> Even the way she sat was dissected. She lounged instead of perched. Mm-hmm. Well, I would lounge too. We honestly. Do lounge. Yeah, we're both leaning forward. <laughs> we're right leaning. Now. Are your ankles crossed? No. <laughs> but the one thing that she was that her father actually did admire, she was a fearless horsewoman. Mm-hmm. She would take fences that men would not take. She had this sense of invincibility that was kind of amazing, and so he thought that was kind of great. Although maybe he wanted her to break her neck. Maybe. Oh yeah, it. that's true. <gasps> I never thought oh. about that before. Yes, keep that's jumping those fences Mm-mm-mm. and slide up that saddle. So, she, so she was um, a free thinker, really, and she was very brash. But the thing is, she was dazzlingly pretty. So she got away with some behavior that perhaps a plainer 
less scintillating princess may not have gotten away with. So her first love, her Her first first love, was, excuse the language, it's just what he is, was a bastard of the Duke of Clarence. Uh, which is the third third uncle. He was very manly. He had POW status. He had escaped, and he was very dashing and manly and, you know, dirty rock star. Think of him as a dirty <laughs> rock star. So the, the son's name was George Fitzclarence. Fitzclarence, one Fitz word. Fitz is a good um, indicator that he's a bastard son of somebody, an acknowledged bastard son. Like anybody whose last name is Fitzroy, uh-huh. way back in the day, some king is their ancestor. Most likely, because Fitzroy. Okay, means, I just learned that. I did not know that. Yeah. So anyway, um. Anyway, Fitzclarence. So, so her second love was also wait for it a bastard cousin. This one was a son of the Duke of York. It was the second uncle. His name was Lieutenant Charles Hesse. So not Fitzyork. Hesse and the Hussy. No, just exactly. Now, yeah. He was a charming rogue. Now, I want you to think, if you've seen the movie with Kate Winslet, Sense and Sensibility, mm-hmm. think of Willoughby, would you? Think of Willoughby. Willoughby. Yeah, he was kind of a Willoughby. They went for all these carriage rides um, that were fast and inappropriate. And um, she had Clandestine. They had clandestine meetings. Yeah, and, she had an ineffective just, guardian named Lady de Clifford, mm-hmm. and wool was pulled Not only over her eyes, but pretty much all over her whole head. Because she was like, I don't know what's going on. So there's two or three months of letter writing. And you know you're not supposed to write letters unless you're engaged. But they would meet in the park and they would be... I Where love the letters. I just think it's mm. like such a big deal. Oops, the letters. We have to read the letters. And <laughs> well, they would often disappear, uh, and no one could find them. They'd go under hedges or whatever and make out. But the but people were turning their heads too. She was pulling wool, but I think she was. They they were looking the other way, thinking that. Like, Except for one time, she was locked in her mother's bedroom with this boy. <laughs> now that's a red flag <laughs> right there. And it's a rebellious teenager. But doesn't that make car- carriage rides seem a little mild after yeah, you're locked in right. a bedroom for a whole day? You know what? Maybe Victoria's mother had the right idea. All these wandering, like, dirty rock oh, star right. rogue guys. Maybe. Yeah, maybe- mama's got to be at your side the whole time, but mama's not even around. No, this mama's not. No. But, you know, and if the king is going to be such a jerk, what was she supposed to do? You know, and everyone was too nervous to correct her. I mean, I think that's what you got. You know, if you if you get let a 15-year-old girl who has a very strong will dictate her whole life well this is <laughs> yeah yeah so anyway so, there was no intention on the part of the prince regent to bring his daughter out into society which is frankly where she needed to be if she's doing all this stuff it's like oh no it's time to make this official you need to be out so the second son the duke of york her uncle decided that he and his wife would bring her out then if the king was going to do nothing and he had a wonderful house called Oatlands and it was so comfy and it was full of dogs all over the sofas and everyone loved to be there the food was great the funny thing about the Duke of York and his wife they didn't live together Mm -hmm. at all Mm -hmm. didn't hate each other at all but we're like oh hello it's you how nice would you like some coffee nothing to do with each other really but still married but still married and that's fine they were very amiable to each other you know what I'm not going to judge because some days I think that would be a really good way to be married. <laughs> yeah. So the Duke of York and his wife gave two balls, to which many people came, because Olin's, you know, famous for hospitality. And this is Princess Charlotte. Yeah. She is beloved by the country. Yeah. Already. Yeah. yeah. So the um, the first one, her father was there, 
And he ignored her the whole time. That's horrible. Well, it's consistent with how he's yes. been his whole life. Why I know. He? He's curmudgeonly. And so the second ball, everyone expects this to happen again. And her dad broke into some conversation very awkwardly, making these non-sequitur comments and mm-hmm. basically edging out the people she was talking to. And then and then he twisted his ankle or something and got all oh, overwrought with yeah. drama and left. The man likes to be the center of attention. Oh, yes. He could not bear it. Yeah. yeah. He had to stagger around like, oh, oh. Pain, blah blah blah, and be taken out, and then it was like there's this big pause, and like, and everyone started dancing, and partying, yeah, yeah, and it went till four. It's like, yeah, yeah do in fact let that door hit you yeah. hard on your way out, my friend. Goodbye. Stop sucking the fun out of our evening. Yeah, bye bye. Okay, so the Duke of York sent her a novel. Oh, this is awesome. Yes, I love this. Go he ahead. sent her a novel. Oh, sorry. With a note, and he thought this sounded a lot like her. Mm-hmm. The novel he sent her was Sense and Sensibility. Princess Charlotte was very taken with it, and she said, I think Marianne and me are very like in disposition. We have the same impudence. Yeah. Know thyself, girl. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, That's good. be true. <laughs> So my my jaw literally dropped when I read that. It's like worlds collide. Yeah, it's very interesting. Um, So there was a fateful dinner that kind of changed public opinion even more to her favor. There was a movement afoot to suppress the Catholic majority in Ireland. Mm. And they were all at dinner. Now that she's out, she's at dinner. And the conversation got really heated and kind of violent. And frankly, Charlotte felt sorry for the for the Irish. And she kind of said, anything they do, any violence they perpetrate uh, will be justified after their king has treated them so horribly. Well, and she burst into tears and left the room. I'm sure she was relating. I think she was relating. Because yeah. she just, I think, this whole time just cannot believe her father is like this. Right. So brutal or whatever. And Byron, Lord Byron, the famous poet, the famous foppish ladies man, <laughs> wrote a very famous poem called To a Lady Weeping. Which says, weep, daughter of a noble line, a sire's disgrace, a realm's decay. Oh, happy if each tear of thine could wash a father's fault away. So do we know where the public opinion lies? Yeah. We do. So basically, with the public opinion such, you know, that it is, he was kind of forced to open parliament with his daughter, which he probably didn't want to do. But he wouldn't ride in the carriage with her. He rode in a first, the first carriage was him. He went first because he's he outranks her. And so everybody started to scream, down with the regent, down with the regent, and they would throw stones at him. I mean, not big stones. I'm talking gravelly kind of stones. Not enough to hit him in the, you know, ear or whatever. But yeah, enough to destroy the paintwork on his carriage. <laughs> and then, and the second carriage was, Charlotte! Charlotte! You know, like, look over here, Charlotte! Ah! You know, and everyone's freaking out. And she was so delighted. You know that little horrible princess wave people have where they just, like, swivel their right. wrist? No, nothing no. like that. This was an unladylike, happy, beamy face. Wild wave. flailing of the arm. Yeah, like, so I love you back. happy. Yes. Yeah. And the people... Keep throwing those rocks at Daddy's carriage. I love you! <laughs> and the people ate it up. Yeah. Ate it up with a spoon. That's how they want their royals. Yeah, that's good. But you know what Daddy did? Swept her household. Yeah. Like, fired everybody, you know, to get back at her for being popular, I guess. And he appointed a governess, and she's 17. At this point, she's out. There's no reason for her to have a governess. And she said, I should have my own household. And he told her that she would never, as far as he was concerned, have her own household until she got married. End of story. Her friends told her that her father was arranging a marriage for her between her and the Prince of Orange, which is the Netherlands. Yeah. Now, this had been planned for a long time. In fact, William of Orange was in the British Army. It had been planned for a while. 
And Charlotte, having just come off that conversation where she's never going to have a household until she gets married, she's like, oh, well, let's give it a go. You know, I'm okay. willing to, okay, let's meet him. Check, him. check him out. How bad could it be? If he's amiable, might be better than this situation. But the first impression was pretty bad. No. Because at the dinner party, they're all sitting around and they all got so wasted. They are sliding under the table. How bad do you have to be to slide under a table? Like, he is being brought here to meet his future wife, who could very well be the ruler of of England, and you're going to drink that much? And go yeah. under the table. Under, under. Yeah. No, seriously, all the men except one slid under the table. <laughs> Poor lady. It's not a metaphor, it's actuality. <laughs> So that was bad. So they, they sent him away to recoup a little bit. Okay. Oh, that was, that was, okay. That was bad. Uh, okay. So months later, along he comes again. Dad's really pressing for this. Yeah. He kind of needs the Netherlands as a buffer zone anyway. You know, he kind of needs it for political reasons mm-hmm. and it's a good alliance and, you know, he yeah. has his reasons. It's, it's going to increase the influence of yeah. Britain. And, and it's not just malicious. Yeah. Like he doesn't pick out the worst guy and go, ha ha ha. He's not really a looker. Oh no. But once, he's not the, I mean, Contrary to the sliding into the table drinking, he's not the bad boy rock star that she was previously attracted to. I think he was kind of described as a milk toast. Yeah. That's not, that's not good. Maybe he only had one drink. Maybe that's all it took. <laughs> Maybe a little nervous gulping was all it took. Right. Like, come on. You're pretty. Slap. <laughs> back okay so months later they're all at a dinner again and papa prince regent said to her okay after this dinner you will tell me yes or you will tell me no this is well she was on the fence for i mean legitimate reasons other than i mean she didn't really want to leave england true she did not want to marry a foreigner yeah, yeah, she really didn't want to. She didn't think it was really a good idea mm-hmm. for the heir to leave the country. Right. That She did think that all along. Um, but, you know, he asked her, what did you think of him? And here's what she said. I like him well enough. He's by no means as disagreeable as I expected. And so now the king took that as, all right, you're all right, engaged. That's it. It's like whirlwind. My wow. work here is done. So, you know, all this pressuring for her to say yes, and now all the wigs you know, the liberals, mm-hmm. started to urge her, wait, 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 what are you doing? No, 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 no. no. Because, as Susan mentioned earlier, she had her reasons for not marrying him. One of the major ones is, the Whigs said, look, you get married, you leave the country, public opinion goes with you, he will be able to divorce your mother, he may have a son, and you will not be queen. That's pretty bald, yeah. that's pretty bald statements. Right, and that she, I mean, I think she'd probably been thinking it, too, without them spelling it out for her. That, yeah, but that seems like... But wow. that concretes it all up. Yeah, they, they pretty much laid yeah. it out. And then, so, she said, okay, then, in my marriage contract, I would like a statement that says I would not be forced to tr- go to Holland against my will. And so she signed it. Yeah. Oh, yes, she oh, signed yeah. it. She's engaged. Yeah. But, you know, she's not allowed to attend any of the events. I mean, don't you think it's weird that she's still so isolated? She's engaged. You'd think that'd be safe enough, don't you think? Yeah. No. So even the Grand Duchess of Russia 
Um, who reminds me of Maggie Smith in Downton yes, Abbey? Yes, yes. By the way, <laughs> if you didn't watch Downton Abbey, go stream it because it'll the next season will be coming on. Oh, so good. So the Grand Duchess says, "Well, when she is married, I hope she'll know how to make up for her present imprisonment." She said to the Prince Regent, like everyone disapproved of his treatment of her. Still, so she did attend one party. One major party where she met Prince Augustus of Prussia. Yes, and and he's known as I quote the one black sheep in the Prussian royal family. Yeah, of it. course, she would. She's pick like boom, metal. But the thing is, they're side by side. Here's Prince. Well, they called him August. You know, August too, mm-hmm. but also Augustus. So here's Prince A. Prince, Prince A. Yeah. A looking smashing and hot and smoky yeah. and dancy with the tight and pants. Black sheepy. Black sheepy. And here is her milk toast gulping nervously out of a milk glass, not meeting people's eye, basically being a wimp. Yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. The contrast was kind of too much for her. And ultimately, honestly, the wig pressure and the, the just weak, sad unmanliness of her betrothed made Charlotte break it off. I mean, you know, she secret kissed Prince Hawkins all <laughs> over the place, too. She did a lot of secret kissing. And here is where I think there was some setup. Okay, yes. Yes, she was going to say goodbye to the Grand Duchess, who actually was, um, they had this crazy friendship, this young, wild girl and this old, like, curmudgeonly, willful lady. Mm-hmm. Had this really interesting close friendship while she was visiting. Yeah, you so, see that a lot in literature. You know that she sees something of herself in the younger uh, yeah. woman, and and the younger woman sees a person that she can relate, that yeah. can understands like, her. Goodness, let's talk. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Plus, you know, she didn't have a mom, or, and yeah. really in the picture. So, yeah. so she's going to say goodbye, a tearful goodbye to the Grand Duchess of Russia. <laughs> goodbye. Well, the Tsar meets her in a room. The Tsar of Russia. Bizarre. See, these are he's the like, circles yeah, that we're right. moving in here. Yeah, right. So he's bizarre. And so he meets her, and he tries to get her to reconsider. Now, I say he tries to get her to reconsider, but I think he chose his words carefully, because mm-hmm. what he said was, he is in this building. You need to make up. He tried to get her to go back to the Prince of Orange. Right. He's in this building. You just need to go make it up with him. He's right over there in that room at the end of those stairs. And so, of course, Princess Charlotte leaves. Does she go down those stairs? No. She no. turns and goes down the bottom, the back stairs, right. where awaiting her is the czar's candidate. Leopold. Prince Leopold of Saxe-Cobert-Salfield. Yeah, he's looking very dapper and white. What's he wearing? White white cashmere yeah. uniform. Nice. Yeah. Well, Charlotte found out that he was a prince, uh, and they started talking. She said, why have you not called on me like the other princes? And then his response was, allow me to correct my omission. Charm. So anyway, Prince Leopold was no stranger to royal houses. He was raised in the Russian court since the age of five. You know how, um, like, even in Tudor times, small children, four and five, were sent away to foreign courts to be raised mm-hmm. by the foreign court. I just hope somebody's watching them, but I keep thinking, not so much. But they're just running wild. But he was a charmer there. He was. At five, as a matter of fact, he was given some little uniforms. Mm-hmm. At 12, he was made an honorary general of the Tsar's army. He was a very charming, very cute <laughs> I boy. want my 12-year-olds leading the armies. <laughs> well, it was an honorary yeah. title. Even his enemy, Napoleon, called him the handsomest man who ever set foot in the Tuileries. Nice. Anytime the Tsar needed to destroy Tracks and ladies. Yep. Who did he take with him? That would be Leopold. He had two mistresses at 17. Yep. 
One was actually Napoleon's stepdaughter and older than him. And the mm-hmm. other one, he had to dress as a man to smug- smuggle her home. <laughs> and who ended up being six months pregnant at the time. Whoopsie. So it's like, dude, he's a player but among players. Do you see a parallel between the childhood and young adulthood of Charlotte and I totally of Leopold? Do. I mean, they are two kindred spirits. Yeah, he was noticed in a battle. Um there was a war versus Napoleon, Prussia, Russia mm-hmm. versus Napoleon. He's got the he's got the manliness, he's got the connections, you know. The thing he doesn't have though, he doesn't have any money, which no. is a bad deal. And, and George is not, I mean he liked them, but he didn't really think that he was Oh well, there's no money. Yeah, no, he's really and he, not connected. He's career, yeah, heavily. He's, yeah, he's he's not in line for anything, and he's career military. So Leopold called once, as he said he would mm-hmm. once, very properly, with chaperone in the room. Called nice. once, but then he did that thing where you run into people by accident. Yes, she's out riding. He's out riding. Oh, hello. Oh. You know, she's out walking. He comes by. Hello! How fu- funny to see you here. But there's yeah. no secret kissing or running around. No. That's still going on with August. <laughs> August. So, anyway, Father Prince Regent came calling one day, which is unusual enough to cause a great comment. Yeah, whoa. Uh, and he sat her down in a room with his eyebrows all up in the sky and his face all sweaty and angry, and he confronted her about a German prince. And she mm-hmm. said, Leopold only called once. And he goes, I'm not talking about Leopold. She's talking about Prince Augustus, the only black sheep in the Prussian family. This is unacceptable. I'm just missing your household. Again. Again. And not only that, he was taking her to a house in the middle of the forest where she would be alone with no visitors. How about that? That's awful. Um, but so she fell to her knees and said out loud, God Almighty grant me patience. And she ran out of the house. And what does she do? She, like, tries to hail a cab. She doesn't know what she's doing. She's like running. She's like, ah! She's freaking out. It's like in Aladdin when Jasmine runs outside the... She doesn't know what to do. Like, she goes to the market. Oh, yeah, but then... I'm like crossing. Princess Jasmine is not real. (laughs) But so Charlotte goes, and a passersby, you know, seeing her distress, helps her into a cab. Like, oh, my goodness. And he didn't recognize her. And the prince regent, rather than be alarmed or, like, you know, go try to find her or chase her, knowing she's completely ill-equipped to make her own... Rather than that, he was very pleased, stood up, dusted off his little pants, and said, Well, I'm glad that everyone will see now what she is, and no one will marry her now. Yeah, uh-huh. She just goes to her mom's house. George sent the Duke of York over to fetch her with a warrant to bring her back. By force. By if po- necessary, yes. yes. But, but the, keeps it in his pocket. Well, the Duke of York is kind of like the only father figure she has. He does have the warrant in his pocket to mm-hmm. seize her. I mean, seriously, he could order people to pick her up upside down and throw her in a wagon right. and sit on her. He right. doesn't, you know, doesn't matter to the king what ha- or to Prince Regent what happens. He doesn't, he chooses not to use that warrant, thank yeah. goodness. Duke of York is better, anyway. <laughs> but anyway, he um, he does convince her to come back. It's really not in her best interest. But she right. is basically... The next day. I mean, it's not like it was one of the months or anything. Yeah. She was a state but prisoner, still. basically. Seriously, she had to write letters with milk to Uncle Sussex. He's the only wig that's mm-hmm. going to, you know, maybe help her with milk. So when you heat it up, you, you show sugars, Right. But how sad is that that this princess ink is reduced yeah. to using milk as ink because no one would give her any ink. So let's take a little tiny, teeny break, and we'll come back, and we will wrap up Princess Charlotte. And 
we're back. Now, Charlotte had just run, did her big running away and came back to Daddy. And she wrote to her Uncle Sussex, mm-hmm. right. her only Whig liberal uncle, and asked him to intercede for her. And so he did. He took her case to the ha- to the House of Lords. Now, Daddy has isolated her at another house, and the servants were all given instructions not to interact, not to let her out of their sight. Mm-hmm. So she's now got the <laughs> she's got the pre Kensington system going on. These people, I swear to you, I know these mm-hmm. people. Using our kids. So anyway, um, Sussex take her, takes her case to the House of Lords, um, which results in his complete ostracism from his brother. The Prince Regent never speaks to his brother Sussex again, mm-hmm. who ends up in Kensington Palace. Coincidence? Overflow housing. Overflow housing. I don't know, but uh, Sussex tried. The House of Lords couldn't really, didn't feel like they could do anything. They weren't very strong. They're kind of wimpy. So no luck there. And her mother was given a large sum of money by her father to go away. <laughs> go to the continent. Bye. She just takes off. And she does. I know. With hardly a buy your leave to her daughter. So this whole time, Princess Charlotte has been, like, holding her largely absent mother up as this model of maternal, oh, I know she's over there wishing for me and thinking of me. And meanwhile, she probably did not. She probably had very little thought for her daughter. They were affectionate when they met, but I... It was not what Charlotte thought was happening. No, it wasn't a deep mother-daughter bond at mm-hmm. all. And she actually said, Charlotte actually said when on the mother's leaving, for God knows how long or what events may occur before we meet again. What events? She never sees her mom ever again. Mm-hmm. That's old. That's an event. That's, yeah. <laughs> now, as to the rest of her family, Charlotte's opinion is the following. I think of nothing of how I can get out of their clutches and torment them afterward. And she began to fantasize about August of Prussia, just putting on him. The guy who's just really writing her letters, and there's this one hot chick I had this smoking couple of weeks with. <laughs> That guy. Yeah. She's writing him all letters, and he writes her back, and it's it's lovely and sparkly and stuff, but she puts all this on him like he is her knight in shining armor. He will come and rescue her. She built him up to such a point that it was a really big blow when he kind of sent this mild letter with her locket back and, and her stuff back and, you know, basically broke up with her, stopped writing letters. I imagine she probably got a little... Stalkery. Stalkery. Yeah, a little bit. So she just transferred all those fantasies in their whole box over to the other candidate, Leopold. Leopold. Yeah, well, why not? He's a prince. <laughs> he is a prince, technically. And he was wearing his shiny armor. And he may have a white horse. We don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so her father... Um, I mean, she had all these good fantasies. She might as well use them somewhere, right? That's true. Yeah. So her father had this idea that he was going to just discredit her and ruin her reputation so no one would marry her. Because, you know, he's very affectionate father. So he decides he is going to locate Captain Hesse. Remember him? Wait. True love number two, Mr. <laughs> Willoughby, from back in the day that used to write letters. He is going to go get those letters. That Charlotte wrote him. He's going to go get him. He's going to send him to the papers. Yeah. Yes, indeed. That'll sh- again, again, like when she ran away, that'll show him what she's really like. Yeah. Yeah. So he goes and he tries to find these letters. And you know what? Old Hesse either has the foresight to lie and say he burnt him. Right. Or he really did, he did burn, burn him. him. Doesn't matter either way. Prince Regent does not get these letters. No. Thank, thank goodness. So good for him. Yeah. Hesse, like that. For being a man. Yay. Yeah, that's good. So, um, 
Charlotte, meanwhile, is working on the Prime Minister, working her magic on everybody. Please, 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 see if you can get him to marry me to Leopold. And you know that scene from my big fat Greek wedding? <laughs> yes. Where the mama and the aunt kind of trick the dad into thinking it was his idea to send his daughter to work in the travel agency. Same basic premise here. All of the forces around convinced him that Leopold would make a fine match for her. <laughs> and he thought it was his, his idea. idea. So that's so, good. Yeah. So she asked him if she could marry him, and he finally says yes. So he comes at the Prince Regent's expense, luckily, because I don't think Leopold had the money to come and stay, you know, in a fabulous place. But all the aunts saw him first. Mm-hmm. And they said, I never saw a countenance more designed for love at first sight. So even the ants were all a twitter. Mm-hmm. But Princess Charlotte was very happy, and she wrote, a princess never set out to have such domestic felicity. Like an ordinary person. She was thinking, I didn't, I wanted freedom. That's mm-hmm. all I needed. Mm-hmm. But what I'm getting might actually be just like Anybody that could have chosen her own husband, just like a, you know, like a dairymaid, sees an attractive groom, they marry because they're in love. So her fantasies about Leopold that she had transferred from the Prince of Prussia are actually, the reality is actually better than the fantasy. (laughs) Like, oh, I do kind of dig him. (laughs) So um, much was made in the press. There's a lot of cartoons about a penniless prince marrying the heir to the throne, but you know the public loves him too. Yeah. This is like a charm factory, these people. Yeah, this is, uh, you know, they had the the crazy king, the domineering prince regent, and then there's this golden couple. Mm -hmm. I mean, good looking. They live in the life that they want their royals to live. And they're smiley, and they're attractive, and they love people. Yes. You know, to be around them. And it's like, what a a wonderful change. Fresh. Yes. Breath of fresh air. So her wedding dress costs the equivalent today of 300,000 pounds, which at the current exchange rate of today is probably near $550,000. Just for her wedding dress. Catching. It was silver and white, just covered with embroidery. Mm-hmm. She had a wreath of roses made out of diamonds on her head, which sounds good. And that this, sounds really good. Yeah, that does sound good. <laughs> and this transparent cloak that hooked at her shoulders that draped behind her mm-hmm. flowed like the wings just of an angel. A perfect, perfect bride. And uh, the only thing that happened during the ceremony was that she giggled when the, during their vows where she had to, he promised her with all his worldly goods. She kind of was like. <clears throat> yeah, she laughed. I did the same thing. Did you? I did. <laughs> like, in sickness, or richer or poorer, and I'm thinking, we can't get any poorer. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Sorry. You know, interestingly enough, the ceremony was held in Carlton House. That was mm-hmm. the house where she was born. Right. Uh, in the, some sources say the state dining room, and some say the assembly room. Mm-hmm. But nevertheless, it had fabulous chandeliers, I will tell you. Yeah, it was, be- it yeah, it was a was beautiful a, room. Yeah. I think any prince would, princess would be happy to be married there. <laughs> they both married for selfish reasons. The prince needed money. He doesn't have any. And position. And position. And she needs freedom from under the thumb of her dad. So, but. Soon they were kind of quite in love. They were never seen without each other. They were always, like, touching arms or putting hands on people's shoulders. You know, the little. Some of the stories I read made me think of, like, you know, Taming of the Shrew, where she was this wild child. But whenever she was with him, she he was, 
she was controlled and he could just say something and she would calm back down again. Well, I just think rather than taming her, I think it was more like finally she had a person that loved her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It wasn't, I don't think she was tamed so much as relieved, frankly. That's the power of love. <laughs> there you go. Well, they were given a beautiful house called Claremont, very sunny and lovely, and they used to sit there and love to pay their bills as Mr. and Mrs. Coburg, which is what they were known as, and they loved to go everywhere together, but not to ride, because at the time, young married women, no, do not ride because of the chance of miscarriage. Mm -hmm. Well, unfortunately, that happened even without the riding. She did suffer two miscarriages, um, and in at least one of those cases, the public was aware that she was pregnant, and so the miscarriage came as a big blow for the country. It was, you know, pretty sad. The prince regent was actively trying to divorce his wife again, um, you know, and if he does, there's a chance he could have a son still. So they laid low, basically, for quite a long time. But after all that fear died down, everyone's like, no, no. And I think the people who could grant the divorce were like, you know, we'd rather just have the person we know, thank you, to be the queen. Mm-hmm. Forget this mythical son. Right. Uh, is not it's even going to be old maybe enough. Prince. Right. You know, let's forget this. Why should we? Why? Yeah. yeah, we have this perfect person right here with her perfect husband. Plus, he had annoyed every single freaking person on the planet anyway, so why would they help him? No. I think they delighted in thwarting him. Yeah, frankly. and putting their attention on her. Yeah, Good for them. right. Okay, so, so after that all died down, Princess Charlotte was very ill. So ill she couldn't go out. In fact, her 21st birthday party, which is a big deal, mm-hmm. she couldn't even show up for her birthday party. No. Nope. So what was going on? What do you think was going on? She's pregnant again. I mean, I'm sure she's nervous. I mean, she's not feeling well. Mm-hmm. She's nervous. I mean, a couple miscarriages. Well, this time we'll they waited. Uh, they waited almost four months before they told anyone because of the pre- previous two miscarriages. They waited. No. You know, Should we talk about her prenatal care? Uh, it was not what we... She was on a strict diet. Just... They didn't want her to gain too much weight. She got little exercise. I mean, everything that's, you know, counterintuitive to what we do these days. Well, the team of doctors that were assembled, um, I will tell you, they're more fashionable, not necessarily skilled. Thank goodness there was one respectable midwife with 30 years of experience. Like, that's who we got to put our hopes on at this point, I think. Mm. Leopold's personal physician, Baron Stockmar, who he loved like a brother, honestly, was asked to become a member of the party. And he was a skilled and modern physician, but he wisely knew that if something went right, he was not going to get the credit. And if anything went wrong, he would get all the blame. And so he wisely declined to be involved. And he was close with the, I mean, not just Leopold, but the couple. Oh, yeah. 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 He loved them both, I believe. Uncaring, avuncular. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. Sir Richard Croft is the name of the lead doctor. And as Susan said, he thought, and it was fashionable in England, that a lowering treatment was needed. You've got to take all the extra blood out. Purges, as if anybody needed purges in the first four months. Honestly, I think my child is made of hot chocolate. It's the only way I can keep ginger (laughs) out. And tangerine sour Altoids, by the way. So if anyone's listening and you have morning sickness, tangerine sours Altoids. Not available to Princess Charlotte, however, so that's unfortunate. (laughs) She got weaker and weaker, as you would think, and then she just felt sick all the time and got very depressed and so depressed. In fact, how about this? She ordered all the baby clothes, and there was a day, 
big trunk arrived, and mm-hmm. it's the baby clothes. Right. And all the ladies are so excited Ooh, to look at them. Baby clothes! They've arrived. They're done. And yeah. she told everyone to put them away. She didn't want to see them because she was sure if she was going to die. And she didn't want to think about Depression, it. Depression? Foreshadowing? Who knows? I mean, she had to feel like crap. So, she's a little overdue, and she finally goes into labor. On November 3rd. And she promises, for some unknown reason, to make no noise. The what? witnesses have all, I know, the witnesses have all been gathered, uh, you know, and the press is gathered in another room. And the country's waiting. The country's waiting. Everybody's so excited. Ooh. So, 50 hours go by. 50 hours this woman is in labor. And gynecological advances were such that there was forceps in the room. They had them. They could have used them. And did they? Mm-mm. No, they did not. So she eventually gave birth to a stillborn son, um, who a very large stillborn son, who, by all accounts, might have, in fact, been alive three hours previously. Ugh. There was a sign that, that the baby had been alive three hours ago, but they couldn't revive him. They couldn't do a thing. Sad. So they thought Charlotte was going to recover, um, other than being, you know, devastated and sad, both parents were given drugs. Leopold, the luckier of the two, was given a sedative, and Charlotte was given something called camphor julep to stimulate her heart. Which that's, I'm just like, that's the last thing. Wasn't her heart stimulated during labor? And um, so basically, yeah. she's—I don't know—it's not say. the best medical care at all. It's kind of it's really sad. So Charlotte started to hemorrhage and it was very bad mm-hmm. and um Stockmar, Baron Stockmar, who had been horrified at this treatment and had begged people not to do this lowering treatment to her, who had agitated for the you know, better treatment and this is barbaric. You've got to stop this. Well, Nobody it's did. too late. Yeah. Had he only been a member of the party, things might have actually gone different. If they had listened to him. If they had listened, and they might not have listened to yeah, him. Yeah, they might not. Number one. But they would have blamed him, for sure. Well, and, and he was wise. I mean, she had already had two miscarriages. So he goes in. Um, they went to get Stockmar there at the end. And he was very reluctant to go because of all those reasons. But he did go. He loved her. He went to see, and he could do nothing. She she was almost gone by the time he got in the room. And her last words were, Stocky, Stocky, they've made me tipsy, Stocky. And then she died. Oh, oh. Which, of course, leaves him to have to go tell Leopold. So he goes to tell Leopold, who is honestly opiated to his eyebrows mm-hmm. and cannot comprehend. He's, and so Baron Stockmar, after trying to explain, Leopold says, go see how she is. And so Stockmar, like, there's a pause. Then. He's like, I know how she is. So he leaves he the room. He doesn't say that, but he leaves. and He leaves, and he goes out in the hall and, you know, faces the wall and basically puts his forehead on the wall, just, like, waiting, like, thinking. So he goes back in to tell Prince Leopold that his wife and son had mm-hmm. both died. Ugh. And then the prince said, I am now quite desolate. Promise me that you'll never leave me, he said to Stockmar. Oh. And he spent the next few days either right beside her body with a locket with her picture in his hand, or he would pace up and down, up and down, up and down outside with the locket in his hand. He was just devastated. devastated. Everything. He's married for, for you know, gain, fallen in love with his bride, had this fairy tale marriage for such a short period of time, and now it's all done. The whole country went into mourning. In fact, even buildings were draped in black fabric. The shock waves across the country were 
completely indescribable. Um, I, we could probably liken it to Princess Diana. Oh my goodness, yes. As a matter of fact, yes. That yes, would be yes. a good representation <laughs> yeah. of what people were feeling. Like, just, wow. The muffled tears, it was just silent. You know, gone with the cheers, gone, you know, mm-hmm. the cries of, look, look, Princess Charlotte. The funeral was not attended by either of Princess Charlotte's parents. No. Nope. Not surprising. And um interestingly enough, in a side note, the Prince of Orange was completely heartbroken. He'd already married and named all his children William or Wilhelmina, by the way, which <laughs> yeah. is completely strange. But anyway, he, off in his country, lost his mind, too, and spent several weeks in the deepest of mourning for a woman he never actually married. So That's it shows you the impact that she had on his yeah. life, and, and he knew the implications for the country, for Europe. So the public really turned on the royal family. They blamed them for not being there. They blamed them for not being nicer to her. They blamed her doctors, justifiably so, given what we know. Um, Leopold went into a serious decline, serious decline. He was invited places, but the sight of everyone, people would laugh, and he would go down fast. Oh, you know how that is. When you've got something... Like, when you have a, going, have you ever been in a funeral procession, like, in the procession, and you see people, like, playing in a play, playground? It's just depressing. Well, Leopold left England for a while. He just couldn't take it. Because, yeah. you know, everywhere you look, there's reminders. The whole country, you know, everyone wanted to talk to him about her, and everyone, he had to leave. So he left. And, you know, when he came back was the christening of his niece, Princess Victoria, later Queen Victoria. And so the whole Victorian era hinged on the malpractice of Sir Richard Croft. Think wow. about that. Wow. Without Princess Charlotte, there would be no Princess Victoria and no Queen Victoria. Nope. Because Queen Victoria was only born because Charlotte died. Right. Had Charlotte lived, her father would be happily living with his mistress of 27 years and never think about remarrying and having a daughter. It would be the Charlottian era. The Charlottian era. That's hard to say. What would you call it? The Char- Char- Charlottian. Charlottian. I like that. Charlottian It's era. a lovely Charlottian home. <laughs> now, one more legacy, and one that actually impacted me, and a lot of women, came out of Princess Charlotte's life. Yes. This final chapter in this tragedy, Sir Richard Croft, our famous Dr. We Hate, a few months after Charlotte died, was at another delivery and he was overcome by the similarities, I think. And he went in the mm-hmm. other li- in the other room, and he shot himself in the head, killed himself. Mm. He blamed himself. He, uh, yeah. And it actually turned his suicide kind of turned medical practice in favor of earlier intervention. Right. And so the fashion was turned by that act and by Princess Charlotte's death to the point where um, there was a strong feeling if he'd used forceps, they'd have a crown prince right now. Right. I was helped by medical intervention, so I was as well. So thank you to Princess Charlotte for saving our lives for your sacrifice. So that's just a that's a little story that about Princess Charlotte that not a whole lot of people know. Normally, it's just because Princess Charlotte died in childbirth, Queen Victoria was born. So, so she was a vibrant princess who had a lot to give, and her her life was just cut too short. Now there are a couple of books. That I recommend. Uh, first book would be Charlotte and Leopold, The True Story of the Original People's Princess by James Chambers. And also the very first parts of the book, Becoming Queen Victoria, The Tragic Death of Princess Charlotte and the Unexpected Rise of Britain's Greatest Monarch. So that's all we have today. Thank you so much for joining us. And we will look forward to seeing you soon. Bye.
For show notes and links to the things we talked about today, please visit us at thehistorychicks.com. Follow us on Twitter at The History Chicks with, with an, an X. X. Or like us on Facebook without an X. If you'd like to sit in real life, please tell a few friends or leave a review for us on iTunes. The music in our podcast comes courtesy of Music Alley. Visit them at music.mevio.com. I still remember